Hi everyone, welcome to another uh, episode of the Leaders Series podcast of GCS Connect. Um, I'm going to introduce for you today a conversation I had the other week with Andy Lord of uh, Wawa, We Are Where We Are, and Crudersi. He's a consultant in the training and talent industry. I've been working with him quite a lot over the last um, couple of months, putting together our RDK accreditation, uh, and I really felt it'd be great to have a chat with him. Uh, to understand more about his business and his thoughts about the talent and training industry going forward. Um, really entrepreneurial guy, made me laugh a lot, made me think a lot. And I think what he says about building a team um, and using different types of talent and producing talent is something that all leaders and everyone listening to this podcast can really learn from uh, and really get some insight from. So thank you very much to Andy. Here we go with the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Hi Andy, how are you today? Uh, I'm good. I'm in I'm in a WeWork in Manchester. It's about a thousand degrees, uh, but other than that, I'm really good. Oh, so it's warm. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm in Manchester, and yeah. warm in Manchester <laughs> is anything above fourteen degrees. We that's think right. that's summer. Good stuff. And it's uh, I know we're both football fans, Andy. So it's the day of the the European Super League. If you're listening back on this, the uh, the announcement of that. Uh, that, that bombshell in the football world, which um, you're shaking your head there, Andy, so obviously not particularly happy. <laughs> well, I'm a United fan. I know you're an Arsenal fan. Um, as a football fan, I think, I I'm perhaps wouldn't use the same language that uh, Gary Neville is using about his criminal offence and blah, 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 blah. But I do think it's just shocking. I, I, I'm not a massive fan of the idea of running a competition where nobody loses. And the actual only loser is me and you, who might, who would probably pay to watch United or Arsenal play Real Madrid every week. That, that can't be the future of football. Or I, I just think it's a non-starter, actually. Yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting. A lot of what we talk about on this podcast is you know, innovation and leadership and that sort of thing. And the thing I thought was really, really interesting is one of the things we've really talked about was communication. Yeah. Um, and obviously again, not to go too much into the football side of things, but to hear Jurgen Klopp, who is obviously the leader, like the CEO, as it were, I know he's not actually the CEO, but it's to say he's the senior manager of Liverpool, saying, yeah. they basically just told me this morning that this yeah. is happening, and he, you don't think he would lie, is, is obviously going against every single leadership principle that we've talked about on this podcast, if you've ever listened to any. It's kind of communication, bringing everyone on the journey, talking to people, et cetera, et cetera, isn't it? There's more books written in leadership around communicate, communicate, communicate again, right? It's like the, the, the ultimate Bible lesson. Tell your yeah. team, tell your team, tell them again. Get them on the journey. Make sure that it's a collaborative decision wherever it can be. Because I saw the same expression on Ollie. He just, they asked him what did he think and he said, I've not had time to think. And it's just bizarre. It's, to it's totally bizarre. Uh, so I don't know where it will finish, but maybe we'll look back on this day, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet that it doesn't go ahead. I think it's going to, I think there'll be so much uproar that actually they'll, it will be derailed. Yeah, I, th I think so. It'll be interesting to see. I think, uh, well, at least it gives us something different to talk about rather than COVID, eh, Andy? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's great to, to speak to you today. And um, I think it's really important just to kind of start off, just to kind of understand a little bit about your background um, and how you kind of come to be in this place. It's kind of the founder, the director of Wawa. 
um, a consultancy that's working within these uh, in kind of technology and recruitment. But um, so what, what, what started you on your journey to, to get here, Andy? Uh, do you know, I'm old enough to be able to say this, uh, and, you know, it'll resonate with you. I stumbled into recruitment and didn't know what it was. Now I know that people elect it as a career choice. But, you know, back in the day, I didn't. I had no idea what it was. Mm. Uh, I was a bit unusual in recruitment in so much that I enjoyed it for the satisfaction of finding people amazing opportunities. And then I got paid a lot of money. And I think... That, that's, I think, a diff, slightly different standout kind of quality. Not from everybody. And I know your business is full of people who have that same values. That's why you and I connected. Um, and so I, I, like, I liked it. I found that I was very good at recruitment because I'm passionate about giving people a leg up and an opportunity. And it just so happened that that's what the industry of recruitment can be if you make it. Yeah. So I started like, like all good trainee recruiters as a resourcer, kind of learning learning the trade, worked for a really brilliant guy, actually. I only messaged, messaged him about a few months ago, a chap called Phil Gale. For those who are okay. old, as old as me, Phil Gale, ended up leaving recruitment and becoming the newsreader on Channel 4's The Big Breakfast with Johnny Vaughan and Denise Van Outen. Oh, yeah. oh, that's going back. And then he's gone to Germany. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's a newsreader in Germany. Now, and I wrote to him recently telling him that I actually think back to my career he was part of those formative years so I, I learned my trade and then did what people do I became a team leader and a manager and I actually found out that I was better at coaching people than I ever was recruiting I was okay at recruiting um, and then I with some friends started a recruitment business still a shareholder I think the class is a disenfranchised shareholder which means yeah. I've got loads of shares but I can't do anything until they do something with it um, I got a bit disillusioned with the world of recruitment, if I'm honest. I wanted to do something different. I built a tech training school inside the recruitment business and found out that that was my passion, right? It was right to the grassroots of how do you give people a leg up while, you know, we're training people who on paper had no right, their words, not mine, to be a software dev. And we turned out to build amazing kind of software developers and I did the Victor Kaya moment. I liked it so much. I bought the company. Well, I, I did a management buyout of it. Okay. So then we built a training company that became an apprenticeship provider. I kind of liked the idea that no money needed to change hands. You'd already spent the money with the government and it could just pay to train brilliant people. Uh, and then I dropped out. I kind of quit my job. Um, some personal challenges. We all had them during COVID, right? Mine were fairly acute. Um, dropped out. Spent some time doing work for charities and pro bono work, riding my motorbike around Europe, wherever I was allowed to, and then decided I would do some consulting work and meet people like you again and kind of just offer some expertise from all of those things that I've learned. And you've probably seen, I mean, GCS is talking a lot about the RDK accreditation that we have putting together, and we've been working very closely with Andy on that. Um, very interesting in the form of, you know, uh, giving, a, like you said, a leg up, that helping people to kind of get to a certain level in a very kind of fast growing skill set. Um, and it's been a very, very interesting pro project for us, hasn't it? And, you know, I think we've all been kind of learning about it as we've kind of gone along. Obviously your, your backup has been very useful for us, but it, it's, it's incredible the amount of detail that goes into to putting these together, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So I've done them before, but on mm. subjects that are probably you would class as more mainstream. 
so easier to get resource and easier for other people to be able to collaborate collaborate very quickly. You're right. You know, you, you know, I've been working alongside you to build from the ground up or the top down, actually, because we started with an exam and then we're kind of hoping to build some training that goes with that uh, to, to accredit RDK professionals. Uh, we've worked with Ofqual to make sure that everything that we've done meets like the highest of high standards in the UK, which has been amazing and a big learning curve. Um, we've brought some really skilled people in to test. We've, you know, we followed almost like a dev route, haven't we? We've put together user case requirements and then we've put it out as our MVP. What do we think? Then we took some feedback and then we've refined and we've refined and we've refined. It's been, it's been really, really enjoyable. One of the most fun things I've done in years, actually. Fantastic, yeah, and no, no, we've we've enjoyed it, and it's it's been a, it's a great success. We're starting to get people accredited on it, and starting to build that talent pool. So, you know, it's it was it's great to get get you talking to us, Andy, because I think you know that's how we've talked about, and we've worked well on this on this project. But it's it's good to to find out more about you and what you're doing, because the the way I see your your career as a leader is obviously you've an entrepreneurial leader that almost likes to turn his you know brain as it were your entrepreneurial brain to to different solutions you know you like you said you know your recruitment career starts and generally people probably like myself follow a certain path and direction but you've almost you know on purpose chose not to follow that why would you say so my mum bless her she is still alive my dear old mum would say that i'm a fidget and i don't know whether that's a very northern expression or not i can't sit still my brain doesn't sit still i am constantly thinking about stuff some of it's just noise like white noise that i can't get out of my head some of it feels to me really uh, entrepreneurial and so yeah. i feel like i'm just driven to do interesting mm. things and my low boredom threshold says if i don't find it interesting how on earth am i going to get other people to find things interesting and i've been really lucky people have bought into my enthusiasm and my passion for helping and making a difference. And I've made, well, I've had a few careers out of it so far, and hopefully a couple more. So I, I think it's just, I think it's either a gift or a curse, depending on what time of night it is that I wake up and start to write things down that I'm thinking about that I need to get done. And what would you say, you know, we talk a lot about challenges. And, and, and do you have to... If you talk about that fidgety entrepreneurial brain, do you, do you have to surround yourself by people that, you know, calm you and keep you focused or do you just kind of go with it and, and then give yourself that direction? What, what challenges does that present? All of the above, right? So I am a notorious talker. You'll see that in, in this thing. I'm sure it'll roll around for about five hours, right? I've got such a lot of things in my we'll brain. Di- we'll do the director's cut, Andy. Yeah, I know. I'm expecting it just to be a big, a big smiley face and, and a yes or no answer to it. Yeah. Um, so I, I need both around me. Right? I need people who are good listeners, who allow me to explore my own thought process. Articulating it for me is always the best thing I can do. So people who don't find me dull and boring uh, and, and let me talk and ask just the odd question and let my mind empty. I need, I need those. I also need people who tell me to shut up and just follow this path because we need to get it done. Um, and the people that I kind of gravitate towards, you know, you and John, have been people who've, who are quite visionary that say, we, we can see a third of what we want. 
do you think you could help us see the other two thirds and people who are good catalysts for my overthinking brain? So it's a it's a mixture of everything, and I'm trying to learn to play golf. And you can imagine it's a quiet game, right, where you've got to just focus and concentrate for four hours. My challenge isn't being able to play golf. I'm I actually can play golf. My challenge is to just stay in the moment for long enough. And I'm trying to learn that. I know that's a, a skill I need to get better at. Yeah. Well, you mentioned John John Gibbs there. He's uh, obviously our kind of global sales director. He's also a very good golfer. Um, so he's probably one of the best golfers I've ever met. And uh, I would say, uh, Andy, that I am probably the worst golfer I have ever met. I've never met a worse golfer than me. It's one of my <laughs> claims to fame. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, not, the, it's not in my skill set. Uh, hand hand and eye coordination is not in my skill set in any way whatsoever. So so yeah, okay. I, um, I, I I generally it's it's quite an interesting thing actually because I think you know business people as leaders they're very they really want to win. You know that drive to win is is huge, and I'm a very bad loser. It's probably one of my worst traits, but I have to almost switch that on during playing golf because I'm so bad. Otherwise, it would be four hours of of torture. torture. For me. Yeah. So I yeah. basically have accepted my my poorness in life, and yeah, you just just walk, have a nice walk, as they sometimes say about golf. Don't yeah. They? So, yeah. Yeah. No, but it's, it's good. And those 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 um those the way that you think about that, you know, those have obviously caused you challenges. But it sounds like it's important, therefore, to kind of overcome those challenges to get the right people around you. And, and I guess as a leader, that's something you've you've thought about quite a lot. Uh, yeah, if, if you know, one of the things that you're always asked, one's always asked is what lessons could you share, you know, in, in leadership? What, what are the things that you could share? And the younger me used to think that having all the answers was the sign of a great leader. Right. I used to, I used to pride myself on being a subject matter expert and, and being a leader by example mm. and now I'm a leader by example of attitude and leader by example of kind of values I still think that that's the role of a leader but the thing that I have really embraced is to surround yourself with people who know more about you ideally at least as much and empower people to have a voice and share it and be open and receptive you know, you're right leaders i think on the whole are quite competitive and sometimes mm. that competitive streak can turn into a bit of arrogance or a little bit of conceitedness perish the thought right that we would dare say that about ourselves see what i did there i shared that way i made it sound like it was you rather than me that i was yeah, yeah. passing the hot potato <laughs> no, like, I'm definitely, um, I, do, I do all the time Andy. don't worry so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah surrounding yourself with great people um, is the key, I think, to making sure that your business is successful and telling them that they are subject matter experts and that you value their opinions. You know, I think that some people are probably better than I was at that when I was younger, but I've really, really kind of drilled down into that for myself just to make sure that I'm humble enough to accept it's actually better to try and not know everything. Mm. And then obviously the, the business that you you built, which is the the, the tech training business, um, was Code Nation. Um, and, yeah. and let's be honest, recruitment is quite easy to pick up, isn't it? You kind of can pick up recruitment quite quite simply, and sometimes that means that you can't really be a subject matter expert in it. But I guess that was a, a big learn for you going into something where you really do actually need proper training and proper knowledge to build something, right? 
Uh, yeah, and because I'd never done it before, I kind of looked at that as a, a total blank sheet of paper. I made a, the only things I studied was the commercial models. Hmm. How do people really make money out of training? So if I, if I have that as my foundation, if I understand that because clearly it's not a charity, how can I be philanthropic, which I always try to be, and entrepreneurial at the same time? So, okay, I understand, I understand how to create revenue and how to create profit. Um, and then I did what the best consultants in the world do. I found people who would probably be my customers, got them together in a room and said, before I put pen to paper, tell me what you'd like to buy. Tell me what you think is missing from the world of training. Because if there's a consensus, then why would I not just follow that? And people are very gracious, partly because they hopefully know me and think, why not? The guys are trying to do something different. And partly it's self-serving, right? If we can tell you how to build something that then satisfy our needs, uh, they're my customers and I'm their service provider. It was an absolute win-win. And so it was, but I just kind of took the mantra, go and find out what the customer wants to buy and then build it and go back and sell it to them. So that, uh, that allows you to, to build something with a kind of blank sheet of paper, doesn't it? You know, something entirely new. Yeah, and, you know, back to the boredom threshold, when you started GCS, everything about building your business was new, exciting. You kind of knew. You worked probably at places before. You knew what you liked and what you didn't like. Getting people to follow that vision and say, okay, I, I get it and I want to do this and we want to change this and why don't we alter this? And so that's dramatically exciting. It, it's mm. exhausting, but dramatically exciting. When you get into BAU, uh, I think if you're not careful, one isn't careful, mm. you can just kind of fall into a groove. There's yeah. loads of recruitment companies that we both know that you can see are in a groove. There's loads of training companies that I know that have just fallen into a groove. And the ability to start businesses or to consult with people like you to help you build new product sets and stuff allows me to stay fresh and in the moment and uh, use that energy that a startup, whether it's a product or a business, can create. And so, so kind of going forward, obviously, you've, you've, you've got your the Wawa, which is the consultancy brand. Uh, I know you're obviously with your fidgety brain, you're looking at other projects at the moment. So what, what are your main priorities for this year? Well, before we jumped on this call, I've been, I've been for a meeting, which I'll, I'll share in a second. Mm. I, I haven't finished in the world training. I have, as they say, in all the best Hollywood movies, I've got some unfinished business with that. Yeah. Um, when, when we built coordination, it was pioneering, right? It was pioneering. And then, Virtual learning, as it's become known, was forced upon us because of a pandemic, the pandemic that we're all living in. So we had to really quickly pivot a business that had been known for the high-touch classroom environment to Zoom, to virtual learning. Yeah. And I think that whole industry has got lazy. I, I think um, it's become settled that that now is what virtual the virtual learning experience is not everybody, I'm not, you know, I'm not digging out everybody, but I just think that that's mainstream. If you go and look, that's mainstream now. Um, I'm not satisfied with that. I don't think it is a brilliant learning experience. It's better than no learning experience. And in a pandemic, if it's a choice between don't learn and do it like this, I think it, I think it ticks loads of boxes. But what I've been exploring is uh, a mixed reality platform. That's like super geeky, right? Um, yeah. 
so that it can be slide decks if that's appropriate it can be a networking meeting if that's appropriate it can be a version of zoom or whichever meeting kind of thing is you preferred but the next level of that is a, a 3d world so you can kind of immerse yourself properly in a 3d platform you don't need to put anything on your you don't need to wear glasses for that but it's a 3d model i mean that's not new but in a meeting platform it's quite new and in a learning environment it's quite new not groundbreaking but quite new and the next version of that uh, is VR, is virtual reality. Um, and I've just signed a deal now with an organization that is building a, a very, very cool mixed reality platform. So my priority is to get that out of the way, get it in, get it contracted, and get my training business to be fully conversant about how do we create a learning environment that is like no other. That's important. How do we stay clear of um, it being a gimmick? You know, it, it's easy to see that that could just be a marketing gimmick. How, how do we make it not a gimmick? How do we make it that it is truly immersive? Immersive and disruptive learning is kind of... So that's on my priority list. But, but and I also, guess that, just to, just to go back to that one there, the, yeah. the best outcome of that is that it's not that, that we were kind of working around the current situation with regards to the pandemic. It's actually we've created a a piece of training that is better than the training we could have given before, right? However, we're going to do that. Yeah. I, when In my old world, I was very happy that we could uh, accommodate people in different time zones, a couple of hours here and a couple of hours there. What's happened, I think, with COVID if, I, if you forget all of the terrible things, I don't mean forget, but just for the purpose of this conversation, some of the good things is we've not been able to travel. So actually we can travel further, right? We're having global meetings for the first time ever. That's become just a normal thing. You know, we were on a session the other week, weren't we? And yeah. it felt nothing to have people from three, three different continents to be on the call at the same time. Thankfully, thankfully. Yeah. Some of them did the early shift and we didn't have to do, right? But that's right. Yeah, that's we are quite lucky to be in the UK, aren't we? We're like, we're invented the times, invented Greenwich Mean Time so we can sit right in the middle, can't we? So, right. fair play. Um, <laughs> and so to be able to deliver a training environment that can satisfy time zones in a real brilliant experience, uh, a mixed reality experience, that's a priority. But do you know what? Some of the other things are to stick with the mantra that I gave myself, which is just do things that are fun. Not because I've got loads of money. I, I haven't, right? It's not because I'm entrepreneurially rich and I can afford not to. It's just we all had a reminder, didn't we, of life's a bit short and fragile. And to make sure that you mix your time up by doing some fun things. And as you know, I'm a blood biker, a charity. Um, I'm going to be taking over the fundraising of some of the blood bike uh, funding and that's important to me too a, a nice balance of what do I do that makes money what do I do that gives me some fun what do I do that puts something back and make sure I, I live in all of those worlds yeah and I think you know fit from, from from my side you know it's something that as leaders who usually listen to this is it's important to see because I do think the whole idea of this BAU you know, getting into the the, the drudgery um, you, you do need to pull yourself out of that sometimes you know, I, I think for myself, I'm super, super passionate about GCS. It is kind of my ongoing project. So that, yeah. to me, always gives me that that buzz to kind of get out of work in the morning. 
you know that's that's you know that's almost almost like the book I've been writing over a period of years, so I can't leave it alone. But I think but, but it's you've important. You've been doing the RDK platform thing, though, haven't you? Yeah, you know, yeah I do I, lots I, of different stuff within it. So yeah, yeah. I think you know for people that are sitting there thinking, you know, where where is my? I'm a good leader, but where is it going? It's important to to look at that, isn't it? And think, what new things can I do within my role? Where can I take what I'm doing? Yeah, and you know. You and I, if you don't mind me sharing, when you and I connected last year and you were talking about this Connect series, right? You were talking about how, in your experience, Andy, what have you done and what things can we learn? And there's not many people that kind of would be willing to do that. And we had a very informal chat, didn't we? And I told you some of the things I've been up to. And you had the idea. I didn't give you the idea. I just shared some thoughts. And obviously you you enjoyed that conversation and then it went to the next bit and then it went to our engagement now um, i would just say to anybody that's a leader if you feel like five days out of five that you're doing bau that's okay but if you're feeling like 25 out of 25 i don't think that is okay so get a ned or get your partner to give you a nudge and say what else are you going to bring to the business what else can you do because if you're feeling bau some of your employees probably are as well. And that's a dangerous place where someone dangles a shiny new, we're all magpies, aren't we? Someone dangles wow, a shiny new. Yeah. yeah. yeah, That's right. And, you know, it's about, like we said already, is kind of keeping the people close to you. And you've got to keep those people, you know, like you said, that leader as values, that leader in kind of your attitude. That's the sort of thing you bring as a, as a leader. And, you know, thinking about the training industry itself, you know then that's obviously a key area that you kind of work within you know you talked about the kind of innovative technology um do you do you think that will continue now or do you think there'll be some sort of kind of reeling back to kind of let's get back to normal events so how, how do you see that working and is that something that you're talking to other people in the industry about how we deal with that i guess it's the same in some ways of kind of return to work return to the office isn't it no one quite knows how it's going to work out uh, yeah, and so the company I was with today, um, part of the platform that they're building is alternative conferences. And mm. we had the same debate. Wow, are you going to try and steal the conference world? And they said, mm. no. Well, so they gave us a demo of one that they've just hosted where you can go to a physical conference or you can go for half a day and instead of um, instead of kind of trying to find all of those hours to meet the sales reps that you want to talk about because it's, they're exhausting, right? You've been to them, you probably present them, they're exhausting. What I saw was people then coming back, making an appointment, a virtual appointment to be taken to somebody who's in a back room somewhere in the world who's their product expert. So you can go and have a look down around a, uh, a 3D modeled exhibition center. You can go and see the things that you're really interested in either well, in, in person, but then from the comfort of your own home, go and then go and chat to the reps, but in their environment, go and see the product, go and see a 3D rendered product. So the thing that you don't get is a carrier bag full of pens and baseball caps and the T-shirts and the stress balls, right? That's the thing, you know sure, that's where you go. <laughs> yeah, like I say, do you know what? You just get them in the post now, don't you? And they're COVID-friendly and stuff. So uh, I think... Yeah. So I think the training world is going to be the same. There, there, sometimes there is nothing better than being in a room full of people and seeing the whites of the eyes. Right? I, just, I just think that that's, that's the human in us. But if you want to train people from all four corners of the globe, that's practically impossible. And I think 
one of the things that we saw in COVID was the amount of learning that's taken place, right? People, because they were bored, because mm. they were furloughed, because they'd lost a job, because they wanted to reskill and use this as a catalyst, that whole learning world, the valuations, the amount of revenues, the, the curve was just straight up. So I think yeah. whilst that might not continue, the, the angle might change a little bit. I think it's still so steep and people will want to have an opportunity to do both, to, to access amazing training that doesn't just feel like watching a video. I mean, there's nothing wrong with uh, Udemy, right? I'm, I've got some Udemy courses myself. The challenge with them is it's a video that you press forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards. And people need more than that, I think. Yeah. And I think here yeah, for, for you, it's really about kind of, you know, driving that, understanding that, and then being the front of that consultancy. And I think, I think in all areas of business, then leaders have to start to make decisions on how they're going to be, because it is about growth. It is about the future now, isn't it? It's about, you know, setting forward standards and, and coming up with those ideas, which obviously is something that you're, you're really, that you enjoy doing, don't you? Well, people, people turn normally to leaders and expect them to do things, expect them to lead. I know that's like a corny thing to say. Um, so, I mean, there's different versions of leading. Leading people uh, in a business that's doing really well and keeping BAU, there's some leadership and skills in that. It's probably not my absolute strength because of the things we've discussed. Um, there's leadership in businesses where your business has been massively affected by COVID, let's just as an example, where profits have disappeared and you've got to take tough decisions and do them with a, a kind and humane view and make everybody else um, kind of follow follow you and say, you know, I'm really sorry we've had to lose 50% of the workforce, but it means the other 50% can stay in the job. You know, that's leadership. Mm. But all there's leadership of innovation. And I think that's what I like to think that I bring, you know, innovation and not having the fear of failure. Failure can be very expensive if you get it cataclysmically wrong. Surround yourself with people who are, are um, great advisors to say, well, on, on the balance, this feels like it's um, going to work, and then tell the story. Um, sell the dream. Sell, sell the dream and get people to buy into it, and then, boy, you better deliver. Mm. Yeah, because it's... I mean, that's, that's the key thing, isn't it, I guess is when you when you're selling a dream you get people to buy into it it's, would you say it's easy to get someone to buy into a dream if that you know if you're just telling them the, the best case scenario no because people are wise aren't they i think yeah. people are well people are wise so if you're selling a dream that's only the best case scenario uh you're setting yourself up to fail aren't you Selling, yeah. selling a dream on what this could be and asking people to help shape it and deliver it a bit of shared responsibility and shared vision and saying, hey, do you know what? I've just sketched it out. This is what I think. But come on the journey with me. And I'll yeah. lead us to the place that, I, you know, that I, I have kind of written up on the whiteboard. But if you also have a vision and it seems to go left or right, as long as we're meandering on the same kind of path, I don't want to change the path. Yeah. I, think that's an, I think that's an easier sell, but not to everybody. You know, I've, I've been interviewing for my new business. And I've met people who've been really focused on job titles. Mm. And I said, make your own up, right? Here's an opportunity, make your own up. And they said, well, could I be this? So, yeah, it doesn't sound very innovative. And they said, no, it's because it says senior in the job title. Like, wow. Yeah. So there are some people that 
it's just not going to work for. And there are others that say, can I call myself wizard? Do you know what? I probably don't think you should, but if I like the way your brain's going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to, I'd like to get a job spec that said wizard. That'd be good. Yeah, me, too. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, and you know, those, those, those people were, what I was, was going to say there was obviously getting people to buy in and it's important to have the right people around you to buy into those ideas. It is incredibly important. I guess this is another piece of advice you give to make sure you do deliver. Because I've worked with lots of people and I've probably had lots of ideas myself where you say, that'd be a really good idea. But you've only got a few, it's boy who cried wolf. You've only got a few times to, yeah. to say a great idea and then not actually do it. Yeah. I mean, there's unfortunately, there's no magic formula, is there? I mean, there's loads of safeguards that you can put in. And mm. as you become more experienced, Learn, learning what those are and how to get checks and balances um, is very helpful. But ultimately, if you, you start a business or you start a new product line or you start a new something, you've got to commit, but you've yep. also got to know really quickly if it's been a really bad idea and try and salvage the very best things that were the nucleus to maybe pivot it and do something else. Because... There's, a, there's loads of statistics about how many startups fail. And I think it's about making sure it's not overcomplicated. It's not reaching for the moon when you need to just be able to get here, but have the vision to get there. And we spoke about it and we're right at the beginning of this about the communication. If you are a leader that doesn't tell your people what's going on, they're excited. They're excited to interview. And I insist I interview all the people that come and work with me. So they're excited to interview. And they're excited when you do the town hall. And then the next town hall that you do, you tell them about the roadmap and they go, where was, what, what just happened? How did that happen? And if you don't take <laughs> them on the journey. Yeah. yeah, if you don't take them on the journey, um, that's when people start to lose faith because you sold them one thing and you might have really early worked out that we have to just pivot and do something else. And if you tell people and give them a chance to make an informed decision, I think they stay with you, or some will, but at least they have an informed decision. We just land it on them, then you're playing kind of heads or tails with people, aren't you? And that can never be a great strategy. Yeah, and I've, I know I've done many times in my past where you've kind of gone down one route and it's not quite right. Um, have you found that with setting up your own businesses that you, you, you start out with a plan which you have to be very flexible on? So when I was the founder of the recruitment business, there was four of us. Uh, we all fell out. I mean, it's a very sad story. Um, we all fell out different times and different lives and all of those kind of things. And on day one, we all knew exactly what that business was going to look like and the kind of people that we were going to have in it. And we executed really well. Uh, got to year three or four or something like that. Um, we had a difference of opinion and we followed the guidance of the most senior member of the team. But you know, we gave him the job as being the most senior member of the team. And he did a big persuading job on us. Mm. And we all kind of went along with it, right? That's the, that's the team, the team mentality. And it didn't work. And then very quickly, the kind of thing started to break. And then, you know, I don't mind admitting, you start pointing fingers and you said, and it was going to be like this. And, and it's the beginning of the end. And when I look back about the lesson learned, the leader 
should have said, I can see you're not really comfortable with this and I'm doing a massive persuasion job on you and you are bowing to my experience, but you're not believing it. You're just doing it because you think it's the right thing to do. I learned, I learned tons from that, that a good leader sometimes has to just admit failure and say, okay, great. Then we'll all take a breath and pause and move on yeah. to the next thing collectively. Yeah, because things change, don't they? You know, it's 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 like you said. Yeah. You, it's the path that you're taking. Is, is you can have the idea, but lots of things can happen around you, can't you? Or different opportunities come up, challenges. So you have to keep being flexible, don't you? Yeah, and you need. I mean, I, I keep saying this because it's probably the the thing that I would give the most in terms of what can you learn. You need to surround yourself with people who can share an opinion. However, you need to empower them to share that opinion and genuinely listen. There's no point yeah. in having loads of yes men or yes women. And there's no point in having people who've been invited to give an opinion. And then the minute that they've left the room, say, well, we're not doing that. I'm just carrying on anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Listen, we all work for those kind of people. I'm sure we have, right? Well, you, I've got a great idea, boss. You know, tell me, tell me. And they make loads of notes and then you turn around and they just screw up and throw it in the bin. And it's like that awkward thing where they're like, oh. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's easy to do it now and you don't have a piece of paper, do you? Just write Correct. it on your phone. Correct. <laughs> you can delete. Um, you're obviously talking about the, getting the right people in. How, how do you see now uh, the world of kind of talent, particularly within in your industry? And I guess that works in two ways both in terms of training, as in how trainers can help talent to evolve, but also in terms of the types of people you want to try and get into your business. How do they match up? I just interviewed somebody this morning, actually, to come and join our training business. Uh, and the reason that that person got hired was because of their very overt love and passion for finding the underdogs an opportunity as well as the obvious gifted ones, right? So it's, it's not just we'll only help people who've got no chance. That feels like a very bad business model. But it is finding people who on paper perhaps don't have all of the things uh, that they need to go forward. And I have the same attitude in my business. I've got some brilliant experts who've got proven track records. I've gone really overboard with NEDs and expert yeah. advisors. I've gone, I've gone all out on building a team of people who are there only to be paid to poke and prod and bring their expertise. But some of the instructors that I'm, I'm hiring, uh, I want them to not be the finished article, but have a desire to improve. Yeah. And I think, I think in, in any industry, you can hire for skill, right? And in lots of places you should. Being brave enough to hire for attitude uh, is a thing I would recommend to everybody, right? And, and, a, and a brilliant mix. I've got lots of the skill, but not all of it, but I've got the attitude in spades. And, and you can't teach that to people. You can help them. You can help them have a better attitude. But you can't teach that. You, can, you just spot the ones who are, have a burning desire to improve. And in my training world, not only improve themselves, improve other people because they can really associate and resonate with, I've got people who are not even close to being the finished article and then what a joy it would be to help them get there. Yeah. So and I, bring I, 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 
bringing people in together means that they can all bounce off each other as well, isn't it? You know, you can have a few people starting that academy feel of of people all excited at the same time. I think that really works really well. Yeah, and again, it's the startup world, right? So uh, in a BAU state, it's very hard to just say, here's an empty seat, fill it. Um, yeah. Because people have to slot, and that takes a certain type of person. But, you know, horses for courses, it depends where you, where you are in your business. The, the one common denominator, whether it's startup or BAU or whatever the phrase might be, the one common denominator is find the people with the passion and the attitude because you can probably teach skills. Not always, right? You can't yeah. teach people on the job to be a fighter pilot, right? So some things that just have to be a given. You've got, you've got to have the skills. But in the worlds that you and I work, which are exciting and, and kind of I'm, I'm not trying to even compare them to the world of fighter pilots, but we work in people industries. So it's yeah. got to start with the people that you surround yourself, got to be people lovers. They, they just have to be. Yeah. And so it's my final question. Just, I mean, I think we've, we've talked through a lot about like where you've been, what you've learned, but what, what are the, the most important things you think you've learned on your journey as a leader? So this has been written in every book ever. So apologies if I'm stealing Dale Carnegie's words or whoever it might be, right? And my apologies. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Big thing yep. for me last year, right? Um, people who know me see me as this tough northerner, right? Who's who, who kind of upstanding member of the community and all of that. But you know what? I, I, like everybody else, I, I was a bit lonely and a bit frightened and a bit confused. And I just said, I, I'll help. I said, on, I put a post on LinkedIn, can I buy you a coffee? and talk about things that you might want that are interesting. I got literally tens of thousands of people that that uh, LinkedIn post resonated with, right? Some saying, wow, you've empowered me to do the same, ask for help. Others saying, do you know, I'd love you to talk to me. So I, I, don't be afraid to ask for help. Surround yourself with... Or to offer who, help, I guess, in this yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it has to work both ways, right? Be a, be a committed... I talk about armor, right? And it's not a religious thing. It's just, you've got to do a lot of good and then you get a lot back. I, I just instinctively believe that. Um, don't just chase the money because I think you start cutting corners. If you only think about bottom right hand sell as the accountants would know it, right? If you only think about that, I think you missed the journey on the way. Remind yourself about why you're doing the things that you're doing. And if, if while you're reminding yourself, it doesn't make you smile. I think probably have a word with yourself and either change something or kind of change what you're doing, right? Because if you can't make yourself smile, what chance have you got for anybody else? And then be patient. I've been interviewing solidly for about six weeks and I've hired two people and, I re and I'm behind in my schedule. I really needed to make job offers and it would have been really easy for me to say, do you know what, they're good enough. Mm. But good enough isn't good enough, is it? So I think I think that I think that would that would be the things that I've learned, and then a bit of humility, and it's taken me a long time to get that one. That the, the humility is 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 the tough one sometimes, particularly is the word leader, isn't it? You know, it's it's understanding what that really is, and like we've talked about there, and saying when you've made made mistakes, when when you're not going on the right path, and you haven't got the right people around you, you know, when you've maybe over over oversold. You know, it's, it's, it's difficult to have that humility, isn't it, to kind of step down and say, actually, I got that wrong. Yeah, and I'm sure some of it comes with maturity, which isn't the same as age, right? I know some very mature 21-year-olds, and I know some very immature 
52-year-olds. I'm kind of looking at myself there a little bit, aren't I? <laughs> um, but a level of maturity uh, helps with that. Uh, and I keep saying good advisors. I was never a fan of a Ned. I, I've worked with some Neds before. I won't name them, but I hope they're watching this. Who just turned up for a paycheck and they offered nothing really other than kind of obtuse pokes and prods and are you sure, are you sure, are you sure? Never really challenging and probing and asking and then extracting things. Yeah, that's but I right. did work. I did work with a few of those as well. You know, credit words, credit to you. I did work with a few of those, and you definitely know who you are because I, I communicate with that person quite often. Um, so I wasn't a big believer in that because it felt like it was money for all road. But I think if you can get people, whether they do it for free or you pay them to come in and be that, I, I think that's a vital, vital thing for any business, big or small. Mm. Is to have that that yeah that air of consultation and someone saying, "Are you sure?" You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, yeah, and, and and if you haven't got it going, go and get it for yourself. If you're yeah, a, if there's you're plenty of people out there. There's plenty of people out there who, unfortunately, spawned a whole new industry into it. You know, you on LinkedIn. There's more gurus of everything than you can ever imagine. I think, wow, you've never done anything in your life. But there are some brilliant ones. And in, and if anyone needs one, I'm not putting myself up. I know some fantastic advisors, some really fantastic ones. And sometimes it's just good to have people that you speak to in your industry or that you know that know you as friends isn't it you just going to sit down have a beer and, and talk about it and sometimes the best ideas come out of that uh, yeah yeah and yeah you're right you know you and i started as well in one way we were competitors right in the world of recruitment one way shape form or another and then we met and we did it just for free and for a chat and then i've done some work with you which i'm very grateful for but we also often just have a chat about football and we're kind of waiting to see you rip up my beautiful golf course. I mean, literally rip it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Out of, I'm ready. <laughs> out of that, out of, yeah. Out of that walk that you're going to spoil. Um, I'm sure a great idea will come out of that as well. So, you know, that that's in recruitment. That's not, that's not typical, is it? Back in no. the day, recruitment was, was a very closed shop. You would never share anything with anybody. And then, there's a few people who've kind of made it really overt. We should share an offer and so on and so forth. And I think that's got to be better, right? I think uh, cooperation or cooperation, I heard it called the other day, cooperation. Because we're all here in the end, and I think that's what's the most important. We're all here to service our customers and to, to make sure that our customers have the best possible experience, right? And different people are good at different things, as we've spoken about. And the more people can work together to give our customers or our, or our kind of the sectors we're supplying into the best possible solution. That's what builds up the image, as it were, of, of our industries, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. And you're dead right. You you have to, I mean, there's an example that there's some of management training companies do on there. Have an empty chair in your boardroom and imagine that your customer is sat on it or in any sales meeting that you're having or any strategy meeting, imagine your customer is sat in the room and if you are embarrassed or you think, oh, sugar, I hope they never heard that or we're not thinking about these guys here or these ladies here, we're thinking about us. It's a, it's a brilliant exercise. Now, the next best thing to that or the better thing than that is that's what your NED does or even better still, if you're really, really there, get your customer in the room while you're having your strategy sessions. I mean, that, that, that's really powerful. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, Andy, it's been uh, illuminating as ever. It's good to speak to you. And uh, yeah, who knows that we'll be ripping up that golf course anytime soon. So thank you very much for your time today and uh, have a good afternoon. Good luck with the interviewing. Uh, thank you. Uh, always a pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you.